This is Together, an Ada Bible Church podcast about the world of marriage, where we attempt to invite you to explore the ways marriage works and doesn't work. From practical ways of learning to biblical inspiration, we invite you to listen to other professionals and couples to help enrich your marriage. Here are your hosts, Rachel Norton, Samuel Jones, and Dr. Kelly Bonwell. So we are, have a very special day. All three of us are here, Rachel, Samuel, and Kelly. Am- three amigos. It's amazing. The yeah, three yeah, amigos. Yeah. Tres amigos. Yes. Amigos, uh-huh. whatever. I have yes. no understanding of Spanish. <laughs> um, but today we're going to talk about, Samuel and I were talking, Rachel, and we did some episodes in season one, and we were talking, you know, uh, our listenership wasn't as high as it is now, and there were some topics that we talked about which we thought were very important. And wanna and we thought, you know what? I want to hear Rachel's aspect on this. Mm. And uh, so, a couple of these, we thought, let's kind of redo them and include you. Um, and uh, the one that we're going to do today, as you guys know, is uh, in the first episode we talked about like what are some key aspects if you're dating? What do you need to look for in a partner that you maybe would one day marry? Mm. What are you guys' thoughts about that? This is a great conversation to have because here are three well-seasoned marriages, salt and pepper, garlic powder, (laughs) onion powder, um, you know, all the condiments Mm -hmm. in the table here. And I think we're going to have so much wisdom because there's so many areas, right, Rachel, when it comes to, you know, what are the components of a great marriage? Yeah. And you all, you know, have, you know, 20, you know, 15 plus 20 year plus years in the game. You know, here I am with eight, eight, eight years of marriage. Right. We're experts. You know, yes. I'm the learner in the yeah, room. Right, right, student, right. Yeah, right, right, right. You know, uh, Rachel's the real expert. Yeah, yeah. It's 30 years. Yeah. It is just about 30 wow. years. Wow. Congrats. I know. Congrats. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there's so much power. And also, if we take a step back to say, you know what, what would we in our younger selves mm-hmm. have thought about in regards to what we would have needed to almost set us set ourselves up mm-hmm. for success in marriage. And I, I'm sure we have a lot to say about that. We do. We were kind of talking about what are some key ingredients to a healthy marriage. And I was thinking about a conversation I had with my friend, Amanda in the atrium, not long ago, they're newlyweds. They went through marriage start stuff. And we were just chatting. She's like, what do you think? Like, what do you think has been critical um, for the successful marriage that you're in? And I, and just what came off um, the tip of my tongue was, you know, when we get married, and I think you guys would agree with this, like when you meet that person, they are your favorite person in the world. Would you say that's true? Oh, very much so. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's almost, you can only think about them and you just see all the great things. In fact, you often miss some things that are maybe red flags sometimes or uh, things that you need to work through and talk through. You're just almost just blinded by this affection factor early on, which is awesome um, that we have that kind of affection. But, you know, we will get established as a couple and then, you know, we're real people. So we all have flaws. Those flaws become more evident. And what can happen, I think, is just like when early on we're so um, we're so blinded to the things that um, need that we we might call them growth areas um, that we can become almost blinded to the great things when we start seeing those things that are a little bit different than we imagined, maybe flaws that they have. Um, did you notice that when you got married, like you discovered some things about your spouse, maybe when you started living together that you didn't notice before? 
And so I thought, you know, there could be a lot of things. Does anything come to mind? Like, um, I thought of a few things like maybe they just forget things all the time or um, they um, you find they work too much or boy, they sure spend a lot of time on their hobbies and we can be some, we can become so preoccupied with those things that we almost um, get them into the um, fix it category. Like mm-hmm. these things I need to fix about them. Right. And what do you think that does to the marriage dynamic when your spouse is trying to fix you? Oh, that's awesome. That's what we always counsel people, right? Right, Samuel? Ah, that's, that's what I thought. Right? Yeah, that's what I lead with. <laughs> yeah, like, I want to be the person's project, right? Exactly. Like, that boy, idea. I used to be amazing, and now it's like, you can't do anything right. You know, people will say that yes. sometimes. So how do we get ahead of that? I yes. think this can make for a successful marriage. And I think we have to be intentional. Yes. To keep noticing those things that we thought were amazing early on. And don't just notice them. Get in the habit of putting words on them. I know I was uh, challenged by a marriage uh, study I did recently where we were encouraged to look for that thing you appreciate about your spouse each day and then communicate to them that you appreciate that in a way that makes sense for them. And they said, and you watch what's going to happen to your dynamic. Mm. So I did it. And my husband, I didn't let him know I was doing the marriage study because, you know, he would he would be too wise to my ways. But I did. I did that. And instantly the friendship factor just started going up mm. uh, in our dynamic. And he's starting to do it back to me. So wow. it becomes this contagious thing. Mm-hmm. And what do you think it does when somebody is looking for the best in you? Man, affirmation, right? Yeah. You know, when you hear someone say something that is going to be encouraging, empowering, helps you kind of come across like, wow, this person really believes in who I am and what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, it's like a nice pat on the back and butt all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like you want to be a better man, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Kelly? No, no, I totally agree with you. And that's kind of why we're doing this episode. Exactly. So years ago I had a client and he was struggling in his singleness. And so one of the things I asked him to do is I want you to make a list of the type of woman you want to marry. Like be very, very, very specific. How does she look? What's her character like? What's her personality like? What's her interests like? The cool thing, after about a year, he met that woman. Now, she didn't check off all the boxes, but today they're married. And so it for for me, it makes me think of some scripture. So for example, we've got Proverbs 16, verse three, we've got commit to the Lord, whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Another verse that I'm a big believer in, and Jesus said this in different ways, multiple times, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. So one of the things I encourage single people to do, or if you're getting remarried, make a list check it twice mm. and um and be specific ask god he will give you what you want and uh if it's a good thing and and so that's what we're going to talk about today uh each of us have come up with two things that we think are vital to look for when pursuing somebody in a dating relationship or if uh, in, in whatever context so Rachel, you get to go first. What was one of your items that you think if you're going to if you're going to make a list, make sure this is on the list. Yeah, I think one of those things on the list is um I guess it was more of a warning when we were thinking about it, but don't um 
don't fall for them for who they could be, mm, right? Or for one. who I could make them be. Oh, that's a good like, one. Really if, recognize them for who they are. So I guess that goes into that. Nobody wants to be the project, you yeah. know? Uh, yeah. And it makes a ton of sense because you go, sometimes you're like, and I, I, I'll do this myself. I can go back to the days where, you know, I see my beautiful wife in the choir stand. Obviously she's a singer, right? Very attractive singing you know and you know go back to that space of man wow maybe she could be you know on broadway you know maybe you know all i got to do is make sure she got a good business mind and you know get her ready to go for you know the oscars and the emmys and all the things she could be an actress and i could be thinking about all those things which you know i ain't gonna lie i did have a couple of those thoughts right like my wife's Oprah, the next Oprah. That's what mm. I always call her. Mm. And uh, and I could I was like, man, I'm gonna make her great and give her some of the things that. But who was God creating her to be at that moment for that season, for that reason? Wow. And I think that in those spaces, I think we all probably do that. Of like, I see something beyond what they see, and maybe I should help them get to that place where they could be. Sure, <laughs> and sure. so I think in that space, sometimes. When we're in that, whether it's me, you, someone else, you know, it's 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 a natural thing to do that. But I think also in that natural thing, we have to also check ourselves mm -hmm. in that space to be like, okay, maybe let me scale back a second. Who is God creating me to be to support my spouse, but also just help them where they're at so they can get to their destiny, whatever that may be. Wow. You know, I agree with you. you yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I do too, Rachel. Rachel, that's a very, very good one because- uh, the person you marry in some ways is not going to change a lot, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I, I'm, I mean, I hope we all are changing and growing, but but there's a thing there, isn't there, yeah. Kelly? Yeah. Well, I, one of the, I'll wink, wink, I'll tease one out. Uh -huh. We're not going to talk about it now, but uh, one of mine is going to be personality differences. Mm -hmm. And you really are not going to change somebody's innate person personality that much. I'll give you an example. Uh Say you are very, very outgoing, you like going to parties and being social, and and you marry a person who's not like that. That person is not going to be you, mm. okay? They're mm. never going to be as social as you are. They're not going to be as outgoing as you are. They're not going to be as talkative as you are. And so if you're hoping for that, I think you're going to be highly disappointed. Yeah, that term is called projection. Yeah. Counseling. Is it? Is it? Yes. <laughs> we project upon someone what we often cases actually hope for ourselves yeah. or what we desire for ourselves. Mm -hmm. I'm, yeah. I'm sure I've been guilty of that in some ways. I mean, maybe we can all recognize ways we've gotten in that territory. Yeah. 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 It's all good. I, as we're thinking about this and, and it kind of spurns and I uh, spurns one of my thought processes about this too, Rachel, um, beyond just this aspect of, you know, you know, what you want your spouse to become or what you think they could become. Sometimes some of that is connected back to your cultural intersection too. And that's kind of one of my things for any couple that's dating or on the cusp of getting married. Cultural intersection goes way beyond just what someone looks like. There's the aspects of their language. There's the aspect of their family traditions and customs. You know, there's also the aspect of their behaviors. And I, and I like to say behaviors in the realm of, you know, 
how does someone clean? You know, because mm. we've all had those moments when, you know, man, this person, geez, I love the way that your space looks. And then you go to your, your, you know, significant other space, you know, for the first time, and you're like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do about this? Right? I, I do know. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. Do tell. Do no, tell. No, do no. tell, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's one of them. Yeah. You know, when you start having conversations about, kids you know you can kind of see they say um i was taught you know how you treat your mom is how you treat your kids um that's that might be new for some people but if you don't treat your mom right or you treat your parents right how are you going to treat your kids when you have them samuel i think we have to watch for that is how the person regards their parents uh-huh. and talks about like those loved ones is big yeah and, yeah. and everybody's been trained and or thinks about that differently mm-hmm. based on their family upbringing, sure. Sure. you know? And so those things, practicing your family values are all a part of that cultural integration and intersection. And when you're looking at your, looking at your possible significant other or your spouse in the early years, um, when you're discerning and understanding how they see the world through that and how they operate in many cases, that's a part of someone's cultural piece. You know, I also say that in that space, you know, there's a, there's a there's a part where sometimes we often case look for someone that's more homogenous to us or someone that looks a, or that looks and practices things the same way. That's that's not always going to be helpful either. And as Kelly starts to get into personality differences, mm-hmm. you know, which is coming up next, there's a space there where as a part of someone's cultural intersection or their own cultural identity, you know, you have these things of, well, I grew up around an entire family that did things this way. And so I'm looking for someone that does the same thing in the same way. Well, there's some there's some chances there where you can get a chance where you're like, oh, I just need to have someone just like me. Mm. And that's not necessarily what you need mm. either yeah. <laughs> when you're looking through conversations and, and looking through for your next spouse and or that person to be with. And so, you know, Kelly, you know, I'm setting it up for you, man. But, you know, personality is a huge component of this. And that plays into this as well. Well, I, you know, I, when you're talking about culture, it kind of yeah. gets with personality uh, and I'm glad you brought that one up, Samuel. And that yeah. is you, you, one of the things I share is you are marrying into a family, a unique family mm-hmm. that has existed for a long time. They have a specific culture and you can't change that. Mm-hmm. So if you think you're going to change that, um, that's going to be very difficult. So one of the top things that when I'm talking with couples about that I think is really important to look for is to look for somebody who has a different personality than you. Mm. Okay. And in season one, we did a two part series on the, yeah. on the disc personality yeah. test. And we had a couple come in and talk about it too. Actually yeah. we had a dating couple talk a little bit about it as well. Yeah. So um, feel free to go check those out. But a big part, one of the coolest things about personality that I've seen over the years is that when I'm working with couples, whether they're married, whether they're dating, whether they sometimes when they they're getting remarried, it's bizarre that we're attracted to somebody who's our opposite. And all three of us at this table can in different ways share uh, how uh, our spouse is opposite in personality than us. Samuel, how's Tova? Mm-hmm. Just give me and Rachel, you think of one too yeah. for John. And I'll give one, uh, Julie, for Julie and I, mm-hmm. I am very, very talkative and Julie is not talkative. Sure. Um, I'm very, um, extroverted. Julie is very introverted. 
and me and Tova are the complete opposite. Right. I'm the introverted one. She's the extrovert. I don't believe one. it. Yeah, I don't believe it. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. much so. Well, it's interesting because John and I are both actually, mm-hmm. uh, we're very social, but he is a little bit more introverted. You know, he's energized by time alone. Mm-hmm. I'm energized by time with people. And even another way we're so different is I'm quick to commit to a lot of different things. <laughs> and he is like slow to make a commitment. Sure. It's just so funny, but it works. Yes. And and at, the big thing that we pointed out in that episode in season one was your opposite is a blessing to you because where you are weak, mm-hmm. they are strong. Mm-hmm. And in therefore, we can think of the Bible verse that says, you know, the two shall become one. Mm. And so the the challenge that I have faced, especially with couples uh, who are been married for a while, maybe struggling, one of the common things I hear sometimes is when they come in and they talk to me is they'll talk about that difference, that personality difference as a negative, and that's why they should get out. Meaning I need to find like I need to find somebody who is more talkative. I need to find somebody who is more extroverted. Mm. And one of the things that I always tell them is that no, you don't want that. Because again, it gets to that dynamic where you're strong or where you're weak, your your spouse is strong. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. And and I think that for me as I as I process that, you know, for the various clients that I've seen or even individuals and attenders who are navigating those marriage marriage issues sometimes the issue of man i need my spouse to be more like me okay there's some truth to that because what you're saying is there's some areas that i may be strong in that i hope to help influence my spouse to grow in and vice versa it goes both ways and i think that in that space you know i remember talking with client and they were talking about how this particular um, spouse of theirs was like they're just like me at their job but when they come home they're not Mm. (laughs) and you know like I wish they would bring some of that piece of Mm. who they are home Mm -hmm. because of what's desired well you're seeing some of the dynamics of you know the hope and I call it dream um, when it comes to you know what you desire in someone's personality in regards to how that may appear impact or in or affect the home life and so those things are very key when you're talking about navigating you know you know anything from how do we deal with chores how do we deal with bills how do we deal with debt and leading someone to lead and or help persuade you to make sure that you're having a a, a contemplative conversation in regards to making things happen at home. And so I can see in many cases how that personality difference in the drive there and the need there for opposites, which attract in cases, Mm -hmm. some cases, most cases, um, how helpful that is. Because Yeah. Yeah. Can I bounce the ball back to Kelly and put you on the spot? Like you think of how different you and Julie are. How have you seen that be a blessing personally? Well, I think uh, the really cool thing about this, and again, I think this gets to the point of why if you're uh, if you're dating, you need to look at all these different qualities that we're talking about, and are they checking off the box? So with Julie and I, the cool thing that's really happened, and again, it gets back to that verse, the two shall become one. Not only am I weak where Julie is strong, but there are certain aspects of her personality which are absolutely integrated into her and they're to a certain extent you can't change them 
So going back at the talkative one and being extroverted, introverted, uh, Julie and I, early April, celebrated number 28. So we're a couple of years behind. Okay, your yes, Congrats. Yes, um, yes. But anyway, uh, the cool thing about that is over time, Julie has become more extroverted and more talkative. I have become more introverted and less talkative in a good way. Mm-hmm. So I remember when we first started dating or when we were early married, Julie would be, I would go to Julie and I'd be like, hey, let's go out. Let's go out with some friends. Let's go, you know, have some fun. And she'd be like, no, I want to stay home. Mm. Well, guess what happens now? Julie will come home and she say, oh, let's go out with friends. No, let's stay home. All right, Kelly wants to stay home. Yeah, so it's flipped. <laughs> yeah. And again, I think what the cool thing for me, what that's done personally is it's balanced my personality out mm-hmm. because of her, because she's modeling literally every day those important aspects that I need from her personality. I love it. Well, you know, another topic, and I think it relates to how you say we're so different is finances. Yeah. And so that's so key. And, you know, we usually are pretty different with how we deal with finances. And I think there are a couple of things that help us uh, approach that topic um, with some success is just to recognize where we are different. like have the conversation and recognize the way we handle money differently. Usually one is a saver and one is a spender. Yep. And I won't put you guys on the spot to, to share. How I'll, that, okay, I'll tell you. Okay. I was the, uh, yeah, I was the spender. I'm, and again, that, that, Kelly, you kind of are the spender. Yeah. I mean, you got to put it in really, prison. Yeah. Yes. I'm just kidding. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm the spender. Okay. Yeah. How about, I'm, can I put you on the spot? I'm a there? saver. Okay. I'm yeah. a saver. Yeah. You know, and probably there's no measure of recklessness, but it's just, you know, and yeah. probably one is more quick to give too. Yeah. yeah. You know, and yeah. especially generous. And so I think it's kind of recognizing where we have some strengths and some, and some weaknesses maybe, and having the conversation and, Full disclosure, too, of what the financial situation is. Because sometimes people bring some things into the marriage that aren't discovered. They kind of keep them to themselves until later. Debt, for example. It's like, let's deal with what really is and let's deal with it together. So we're a couple now. So this is this is our financial picture. What does it look like? So recognize where we're different. And nobody has to be the bad guy. But let's put some parameters. If I'm a spender, what can spending look like? And if I'm a saver you know, what can save saving looks like? And it's, and it's our plan, but there's room for both of those strengths or guardrails. If it could head into the weakness land. I I think that those have served people well and absolutely put fun on the budget, right? Cause sometimes it's like, no, we don't budget for it. And we've got, we've got to feed the relationship with that. And I've seen it with couples where there's never money in the budget for that. Um, and that's often not just a financial thing. Like there's no room on the schedule for fun either. And we need it, right? We got to, um, not get into a camp where we start taking ourselves so seriously all the time too, and, and play together. What do you guys think? Oh, I love it. Fun and play sounds great to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like a babysitter, Samuel? Can I send you guys are you, out? Are you asking? I'm this serious. Is gr- yes. This is a first. On together, <laughs> yeah. Rachel yes. Morton has a, said Samuel Tova, go out and have some yes, fun. Yes, I'll take great. the kids. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Mm-hmm. So here's a question for you guys. Uh, sometimes I think when I, we're talking, when I'm talking to couples and we talk about the saver and the spender, 
we maybe think the saver is a better person than the spender, right? The spender is the spender yeah. is the 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 bad cop in the right. in the relationship. What's what's a what's the what's good about both? Now the saver is duh, you know, you're saving money for the future, but what's the good what's some uh good things and maybe even have an anecdote. Uh what's a good thing uh about spending? Sure. Um I would say um this is the first thing I think about is they often there's an adage that says you put your money where your mouth is, right? Um, but also there's this aspect of I think I think when someone is an investor in the relationship, they're actually the spender. And I'm gonna say I'm gonna say why. The investor I think is the spender because that person has and has to do analysis on what they think is a really good conscious effort on what they should put their money into that will grow the money. And so Kelly, I know you're an investor. You're also a spender. And so in that frame, you know, when someone is investing, that means they're making, again, conscious decisions on how to grow the money. And I know my wife invests in really good things like great groceries, um, invest in really good things like our child care. And so I know without a doubt that I can trust my spouse, my wife and what she navigates to put our money towards that actually is going to grow, whether it's our children grow, you know, the type of health that we want grow, you know, our um, stocks and bonds, all those types of things, because I know that she takes a lot of time to research and make good conscious decisions when it comes to saving. That's one for me. Rachel, how about you? Well, what was the question again? Uh, what's I got a lost good thing in Samuel's what, great what, thoughts. What, <laughs> I'm like, wow, I just start thinking. I what's know. a good thing about a spender? Yeah. Um, well, the spender, I think is it often tends to be well, I, I would imagine it's more often the woman because she maybe is the one out doing the shopping mm-hmm. for a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And so often they make your house a home mm, and true. they are, they're investing in maybe the kids in different ways, or maybe they're the one buying the gifts for people. And, yep. and so, no, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing, nor is the saver. You know, the saver can get into a camp where we're saving too much. We're holding on too tight. Um, so, you know, there can be something in each camp, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Julie, uh, grew up in a home that was very, very frugal. And so when I met her spending money freaked her out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I remember, uh, this story is a little bit more recent, but I remember about, I think it was five years ago, we, Julie and I were talking and we were thinking of doing a cruise with our two sons and we kind of knew it was going to be the last hurrah with them because they're older. And we kind of looked at the numbers and we were both a little bit, ooh, it's going to be kind of a lot of money. And, and fortunately, with where Julie and I are at now, we're both savers and spenders. Yeah, That's really what we are. Uh, when the time is right, I'll be like, yeah, I think we should spend money. Or, yeah, I think we should save money. And Julie does the same. And even though that number on paper for the for the it was a cruise. It looked real big. I now look back on that cruise and go, I am so glad we made that investment. Mm -hmm. So again, I think Samuel to your word, that's a very important word. It was an investment. Yep. And, uh, sometimes you got to spend money to make a investment. It's true. It's true. And, and, in that, that makes me think of this. Uh, we say top three issues in marriage, money, sex and communication. But I would almost add this, and this is one that we have to consider if if it's okay, if I move this conversation along a little bit, like God, faith to me is the number one issue. 
Right. And the reason I say that is because sometimes when we first think of just to set this up a little bit, first times when we first think of God and faith, oh, it's natural. You know, you know, we 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 go to church and this is what we do and uh, we agree on it. Well, there's a lot more uh, things that go into sure. that than in the faith yeah. than in church. And I think that when you're thinking about this aspect of getting married, you know, here's my here's my three things that I often consider for couples that I see, you know, who have a shared faith component, you know, whether that be, oh, yeah, and I grew up Catholic, but then I converted or I grew up this way. I understand. But in the aspect, what are the three things that God really wants from you in, re- in regards to you being married? Number one, he wants every husband to be in deep pursuit in him. Um, Kelly and I had a great podcast where we talked about believing, servant, or someone who serves, and friendship. Those are kind of three identities that we talked about in the frame of that. And those are various levels of pursuit that you have in a relationship with God. And he wants every husband and wife to be in deep pursuit of him, but specific to the husband. And I'm going to talk about that in a second and why. But also God wants every husband to serve his wife. You know, there's a scripture for that. We'll talk about that in a second. And God wants every wife to be deeply submitted to her husband. And so in those three spaces, you know, when you're considering, well, what does that mean in regards to my faith other than just going to church and seeing Pastor Jeff and Pastor Aaron preach? You know, there's a space where, you know, we think about Revelation 19, 7 and 8, which talks about us being a reflection of Christ and his perfect bride. Sometimes we're trying to live this life of being perfect, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, but that perfection is often cases kind of slighted a little bit in regards to what we're going after. So here's this space where when we think about, well, what does God truly mean when he says he wants a relationship with us? That's an individual relationship. We know that every, what do we say, Kelly? Every marital issue is a individual issue. Um, and in that frame, Rachel and Kelly, I get to the space where Faith is very personal. It's a very personal approach. And, you know, whether we go into the scriptures, all the scriptures that talk about marriage, whether it's like, oh, yeah, Genesis 2 and 24, a reason a man should leave his woman, or a man should leave his uh, family and cleave to his wife, or threefold cords nicely broken. We go to all the scriptures about marriage, but we don't take a step back to say, where am I at personally in regards to my faith? I remember the episode with Hannah where she had an amazing thought process and approach that like, I want to be personally so great with God. So that way my spouse can't see me without seeing God. Mm. That stood out to me. That's inspiring. You know, and in that space, here is a scripture that I would give to any person considering marriage as a key ingredient to have eventual success in your marriage, other than just church attendance. And the scripture is from second Peter one, five and nine. It says for this very reason, Make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord. But whosoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting they have been cleansed from their past sins. I could do a whole scripture text on that. But I think in that frame, what that's pointing to us as individuals who are getting ready, getting prepared for a great marriage is, Lord, help me pursue you more every day so much that my potential future spouse can't see me without seeing God, you know? And I think that in that frame, we have an opportunity 
for every person who listens to this podcast, who's maybe even married, who's struggling with like, yeah, like I feel like I'm the spiritual leader in my home and my spouse is with me. I feel like I'm one level up. We hear that all the time, Mm. you know, and in those frames, you have an opportunity to continually with your spouse and by yourself navigate growing in your relationship and growing in your spirituality with the Lord, just based on that scripture. What does it mean to add to just my belief? Sure. <laughs> what does it mean to just add to what I know about what God has said to me in his perfect promises, which are yes and amen? Mm-hmm. What does it mean for me to literally live a life where I'm in great pursuit of the Lord and everything that he has for me and everything that I want to give to him? And then how do I continually model that to my spouse, no matter where they're at? But again, you take that step back, you know, and I would love to hear y'all's thoughts like that frame of what it is. What was your experience like before you got to that space where it says, you know, God, I'm, I'm ready for my spouse. Where Where's God in relationship to just you right now? Yeah. You know, and where is that space at? You know, what's what's your thoughts on that? Uh, Samuel, that the faith issue is the biggest issue, which you said. Oh. Uh, and it me per for me personally, it's been. Uh, why I'm so, so, so grateful that I married Julie. Yeah. Uh, she and I are entire alignment about our relationship with God. And I act for me personally, I have, a an experience where, um, I walked away from a relationship, uh, because the young woman didn't, I just felt like she wasn't aligned with me on this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and on the flip side too, I have a friendship who married a woman who wasn't fully aligned with him. And I've been able to have kind of a firsthand seat. What, what happens sometimes when that happens. Uh, and it, and from my vantage point, it's been kind of tragic. So what happened over time uh, with my friend is uh, the first step was she just stopped going to church. She really wasn't pushing into a relationship with God to begin with. But then over time, uh, she just came to him and said, you know, I'm kind of done going to church. I really don't believe that stuff. Mm -hmm. Even though when he met her, he met her at a Christian college. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, and this is the tragic part, which he is still experiencing today. um, Because of that, he kind of gave in to her. And so he stopped attending church, which meant his children stopped attending church. And to this day, you know, and and he would he'd be the first to tell you this is a a true statement in his life now. His kids really don't have a relationship with God. And he really he pinpoints when that changed is when he and she over time stopped going to church and pouring into their relationship with God. So faith is so, so important. And I don't I don't know what I would do if it's just been such a huge blessing for Julie and I to be totally aligned in that. Yeah. It's critical to watch for that prior to marriage, right? That there's a genuine pursuit and an investment in their walk with God, right? Because the closer each individual walks with the Lord, like the closer we can be to one another. And it's from that source of love they're going to draw from, right? From Christ's love to love you and you drawing from that same well to love them. So that's before marriage. And then sometimes after marriage, maybe that's when we have that explosion of growth. So, um, you know, we want to do our part to actively pursue God and give 
you know, him the first of our affections. And then I think sometimes maybe we're growing in ways that our spouse isn't growing yet. But I think it's kind of circles back to where we started, like watch for where you see Jesus at work in them. Yeah. And where you and say it, like, hey, you know, put words on it. And what does that do? It just inspires them more and more to pursue God on their own. And and I think it's really wise for wives too to uh, go to their husband for spiritual input on things, you know? Like you have valuable spiritual input and I, you know, I'd, I'd love to he- hear your thoughts on this. Yeah. And that I think really um, puts them in a, in a position to really go to that well, right? And draw <laughs> from it. So, yeah, important. That's so good. And and just to kind of close my part out, like I, I was at a conference and this pastor um, was talking about this space of like why sometimes people walk away you know, or in a season that's very challenging and difficult, you know, you might have two two people who are in a sense of walking with the Lord, but someone has chose to turn almost. And in those spaces, you know, he brought up a really important point. It's about the why. And sometimes the why can be an unanswered prayer. Sometimes the why can be a family member that dies. Sometimes a why can be, you know, someone that they experienced didn't personify the love of God And in those experiences, it gives an opportunity for when we're going through challenges, being married and in a space where our faiths, in a sense, don't align. We have an opportunity to really check in and have evaluative questions. You know, evaluation in marriage is paramount. Um, Me and my wife do it every year. And I encourage all of my clients do it quarterly, you know, because in that, here's some evaluative questions when you have a challenging season. And the questions I say, you know, and I give to my clients sometimes, I'll say, ask these four questions. I say, where do you align when it comes to your relationship with God right now? Where do you differ? Is the second question I ask us. And then are your differences areas of alarm? And then lastly, I ask, how can you begin to merge and or work with your spouse to help them grow, get back to a place of growth? And so having those kind of four questions, and I'm sure, Kelly, you've got more amazing questions oh, than that. those were amazing. <laughs> I'm Samuel? just like, will you, oh, gold. Will you yeah. email me yes. those? That, that's like new a new thought to me, yeah. to have an evaluation time annually. Yeah. What if we all did so that? So good, Samuel. Yeah, it's needed for everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is. So, yeah. So I will do, we're at the last one, right? We're at the last one. We're at the last right. one. Yeah. So my last one is, uh, and we kind of alluded to this earlier, uh, one of the things I tell couples when I'm when they're dating is to remind them that uh, dating is not marriage. It's not. It's totally different. Mm. And over and over and over, for example, here on, on the negative side, I've heard a lot in counseling. I married him or her, and like almost right out of the bat, that person was an entirely different person from when I was dating that person. You hear all the time? A lot. A lot. Uh Especially with couples who are struggling. Mm. And part of that, part of that in a negative way is sometimes when couples are struggling, they revise what the past was. Like another thing I'll I'll hear every now and then, uh, which I always kind of giggle at whenever I hear it, and that what that is, uh, you know, Kelly. I can remember on my wedding day, and uh, I I was having doubts. I was wondering, should I go through this? So now, three, four, five, fifteen years later, I now went out. 
Okay. And what I always look at them and say is, I was having doubts on my wedding day. That was one of the scariest moments of my life. I'm making a commitment like no other commitment that I've made in my life. So with that, one of the things I think dating couples need to do a really good job is um, getting the masks off in the dating relationship, trying to really figure out who am I dating? And so one of the key uh, ingredients, I think, is you've got to spend a lot of face-to-face time. So, for example, you, you, both of you maybe have heard this adage. Um, there's a couple of our pastors here who, who I've heard say this, and that is one of the first questions I'll ask a couple is, hey, have you ever had a really good fight? And if they, some of them, if they hear back, no, we've really never fought before. And one of them in particular uh, said to me, what I told him is, I'm not going to marry you unless you go have a fight. Okay. Because again, that gets to the dynamic where masks are off. So one of mine is in our day and age, there's a lot of online dating, right? Wonderful, wonderful way to meet somebody to figure, you know, if this person might be my future spouse. But the negative is it's long distance. And you're not spending a lot of time face-to-face. That's a key ingredient. Mm. It's got to be face-to-face. And the where that dynamic can get funky is, because I've, I've seen this happen, uh, you know, you're, the person you're dating lives in Columbus, Ohio. And so you see them once a month, over a weekend. Now you talk on the phone a lot. You do a lot of Zoom calls. But when you do see one another, guess who's on their best behavior? Mm. Both of you are on your best behavior because you want this relationship to work. But it's so important uh, to... So if there was a couple who's doing long, long distance dating, I would say you've got to spend a couple of seasons living in the same town, but it gets, just gets back to, I just think it's very, very important to spend a lot of face-to-face time with the person that you're considering could maybe be a future spouse for you. What are your guys' thoughts about that? So I want to, I want to be the, the cultural bad guy in the room. Mm. What I mean by mm-hmm. that is I'm going to say it Kelly, cause you didn't. <laughs> so what Kelly is not saying is for you to move in with the potential person that you're with to, to understand them in their total dynamic. That's not what he's saying. Thank you for clarifying <laughs> right, that. Right, right. right. Mm-hmm. But what he is saying is through your fondness of this person, of growing and wanting to understand and getting to know, proximity is important, right? Proximity is important. Proximity means that in many cases you're trying to understand and maybe even empathize with what that person is, you know, dealing with in terms of the personality, mm-hmm. you know, their, 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 all the things we talked about, culture, mm-hmm. you know, their faith, all the aspects that we talked about today. And those things help you make a more informed decision of whether you're going to be with them or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At the end of the day, that's my thoughts about it. I love it. And on the best behavior, and that's kind of where those blinders can be too. We're only seeing our best of one another. So getting backstage a little. But not what you were talking about, Samuel, right? Right. It's just, you know, even that myth that we need to, you know, try living together to uh-huh. really see the backstage. It's not that, yeah. but it's those in our downtime and um, how do they respond to a bad day or, um, or, I mean, have you seen them in some places that maybe 
were at their worst, yeah. you know, and, and how do you guys navigate that? Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing I'll say about this, because I know right now I'm getting stones. Just I see them all coming. <laughs> you can call me Steven. Um, but in this space, here's the thing, like me saying this, I'm also wanting to encourage those who who have taken that space of saying, you know what, I moved in in that space. You know, there's something that happens when you're you're leaving something to the imagination, there's an excitement, there's endorphins that happen when you haven't got a chance to experience some of the pleasures and things that are related to a godly marriage. And in that godly marriage, what he wants for you is to be like, man, I wonder, I wonder what it's like. This is goes back to what Chris and Jenny Gravy talked about in the podcast. You can listen to uh, that all piece because there's all and there's excitement in things that you haven't experienced in marriage. And guess what? You get a lifetime. Yeah of awe and experiences that you don't have when you take a chance to do it the godly way. And so there's, there's so much power in that. Yeah. I think, I think this has been a great discussion. I think obviously there's a lot more items we could put on our list. Uh, But I really believe if you are dating in any capacity, I think it's important that you make a list that you really talk to the Lord about like, what do you want? What, what husband do you want? What wife do you want? And trust him for that and be patient. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, I think this has been a great discussion. Good. Well, you all, this has been uh, together with Kelly, Rachel, and myself, Samuel. Um, I hope you have been empowered by this conversation. I hope you have questions. Uh, don't forget, you can email us at care at adabible.org. Follow our page. Follow our, uh, our, our all of our podcasting platforms. You know, in that there's so much you can grow from and gain. And so we are excited to have you again listening to us. Stay tuned for the next time on Together. See you later. Thanks for listening to Together. We hope you've learned a thing or two. If you find the podcast helpful, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your listening platform. Leave a comment and give us a five-star rating. If you'd like more information on Ada Bible Church and its ministries, or someone to pray or dialogue with about your marriage, go online and check out our website at adabible.org.